0: welcome everybody to speaking greeks uh this week we have april ham uh you might recognize her she is a moderator over at the popular facebook group that um, a lot of people seem to be members of so uh april thanks for joining us
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: so i haven't talked to you in a while what's been going on um still still trading the zero dt strategy
1: every day i've got kind of different strategies that i do um you know they kind of ebb and flow as we learn more information but yeah pretty much every day
0: all right let's uh let's dive right in so let's start way back at the beginning and uh how did you become interested in markets
1: so i've kind of been interested in the market so I, i'll start by saying i have a finance degree and an mba and so i kind of started around then but i never had any money to put into it so it didn't really matter how interested i was um because it was either put money into the stock market or or pay my bills Um, and slowly, you know, as you grow and pay off your student loans and all that stuff and start making a little bit more money and you start having a little bit of extra money. And I ended up starting a business and, um, eventually I had a little bit of money that I was willing to start practicing with. And so in about 2017 is when I started trying to learn the market and then 2018 is when I earned out, I'm sorry, 2019 is when I started learning options
2: and what what year
0: did you start your business
1: 2011 i think
0: so let's talk about that because i think there's a major overlap in um the trading community and entrepreneurship so what was your business
1: my business was tablecloth rental in the wedding industry we started out in my spare bedroom i had sixty five hundred dollars from waiting tables and um Basically, you rent, you buy tablecloths and you rent them out for people who are getting married or having like a conference or a baby shower or a birthday party or something like that. Um, it started out like that. At a certain level, I decided that we were going to start doing our own laundry. I had been outsourcing the laundry to different dry cleaners in the area. Um, we started doing our own laundry in 2013, and we started doing other people's laundry. And I ended up selling my business about three months ago. And at the time I sold it, we had about 25 full time employees, a 20,000 square foot warehouse, and a whole lot of tablecloths. And we did a whole bunch of laundry for ourselves and other people.
0: So, how do you get into the, I guess, the linen rental business? Because, like, you know, it's not one of those like flashy startups that you would like see online. So, how you said you started in your bedroom as a waitress, right?
1: Well, yeah. And so, like you, were, I, you
0: were a waitress and then you started this in your bedroom.
1: Yeah, so I graduated with my MBA in December of 2008. So anybody who was around then knows that that's probably the worst time in recent history to graduate with an MBA, and that's when the the housing crash and all that was going on. And so there kind of wasn't anybody hiring for MBA type jobs, and even like most of the people that I graduated with. You know, it wasn't that big. Like everyone's getting like these big, you know, eighty, hundred thousand dollar jobs. So it was kind of everybody kept the same job <laughs> and hoped to not get laid off over the next year or two. Um, and so I, I've I've always enjoyed waiting tables. And so I just got a second job waiting tables to save money. I'd always wanted to own a business. My family owned several businesses when I was growing up, and so it was kind of in my blood. And I I grew up around it, and I enjoyed it. And so I knew I wanted to do something but I knew I didn't have a lot of extra money. And so I just kind of started paying off my car payment, paying off student loans and saving up money. Um and then working in the restaurant industry, I was actually going to start Restaurant Linen, like where you deliver the napkins to the restaurants. And because every restaurant I had ever worked at, those services were just terrible. Like terrible quality, terrible service. And I was like there's got to be a better way to do this. And so that's what I was going to do and I started my website. And I wasn't getting any hits and all of a sudden one day I got a, an email that said I'm not interested in restaurant linen but do you do like weddings or linen for weddings and I was like oh yeah we sure do and I had no idea what I was doing and so within like a week I had that order and so then after a couple more weeks I started getting a couple more people saying the same thing and so I was like okay well let me put on my website click here for special event linen and click here for our restaurant division. And nobody clicked on the restaurant division and everybody clicked on the event side. And so I just scrapped the whole restaurant idea and kind of all fell into place. I didn't do like any aggressive marketing or anything.
0: That, that's that's super cool. I was going to ask if there was an overlap between like the type of restaurant that you were a waitress at. It was like a higher end restaurant that like, Would have a use case for that or and so it just kind of like fell into your lap then almost like the i guess the idea
1: yeah well and it was like 2011 so probably had 2008 probably shook out some of the companies that had done this previously and so it was kind of like on the upswing of the economy and there was only one other company really that focused on it in dallas that's where i'm located and everybody hated them. And so as soon as they'd find us, they're like, oh, we're, we're so glad we found you because we hate this other company that we've been working with. And so it was kind of just an easy transition um, and an easy growth. Like it, it was all just perfect timing. There's not much more to say than that as far as how we grew so, so quickly.
0: And what year uh, What year was that again?
1: Um, started in like 2011 started doing laundry in 2013 and then just kind of grew from there and sold it a few months ago.
0: So then in 2017 you you start to you get in, you get interested in the markets.
1: Yeah, so in, in my in most well not all businesses, but at least in my business, I couldn't really afford to pay myself because it was constant growing and constant reinvesting. And so 2017 is kind of when I could finally start paying myself a little bit. And that's when I was finally able to set some money and some time aside to start learning.
0: And did, were you just doing like long and short equities or, cause you said 2019 was options? So what were you doing for two years?
1: Yeah. So believe it or not, um, I, on YouTube, I kind of just would take some time and watch. And I, I basically just watched a bunch of different people on YouTube to see who I resonated with, like what, what learning style, what delivery style worked best for me. And of all people there's this guy named Ricky Gutierrez that had a like a, a stock market trading course basically so it was basically like i think it was mostly rsi and macd <laughs> but a lot of it was like terminology stuff because it had been a while since i had been in school for that kind of stuff and i didn't really pay attention to trading type of stuff when i was in school that's not really what you learn in school even with a finance degree um and so that it was kind of more terminology and a little bit of like intro to indicators and so it was kind of just a little bit of Scalping, like, and it, he had a few tickers that he was partial to, like some natural gas stuff. So it was a little bit of that. Um, and I kind of got away from that when I got really busy at work. And then I had a really, a really crazy medical year where I was pretty much on bed rest for like a year. And I took that time to learn options, and that was 2019.
0: So you approached the markets always from a perspective of I'm going to trade these and as like a secondary source of income.
1: Yes. And honestly, I always wanted it to be like my primary source of income, even even way before I started my business. I just had no idea where to start. Um, but yeah, it was always kind of in the back of my head. Like I would love to just be a trader.
0: And in 2019, you discovered options. Did you dive right into the zero DTE or did you go like the Wall Street bets, YOLOing on Robinhood, Tasty Like What was your path to where you are today?
1: remember what got me interested in SPX or zero DTE. Uh, like, I don't remember how I got to that point, but where I started was like three to four day to expiration spreads on like Tesla and Amazon, those kinds of things.
0: And then, and then that's whenever you kind of did, did you stumble into like the Facebook group while you were trading that or did something happen that like kind of turned you towards SPX?
1: I don't remember that, like the specific path that got me to SPX. Um, but I did come across Tasty Trade somehow. I think I must have found their videos when I was trying to learn more stuff. That brought me to the Facebook group, which brought me to Zero DTE, and I haven't looked back since.
0: All right. And then you said you sold your business a couple months ago. So how does that work? So like, how do you get approached? Were you looking to sell it? Like, I know you were looking to be a full-time trader, but were you ready to sell, or were you approached?
1: I was quietly ready to, I I had already removed myself from the business, like from the daily operations, the only thing I really did was payroll. Um, so I I already didn't want to be involved in the daily stuff and there were some unique things in my head, as far as like what's coming in the future that I was getting a little nervous about how to, how to approach. Because I don't know, I personally, I didn't want to own a business through like a really bad recession or something. And I don't know. I, I not that I believe one is coming. Um, but I feel like, I don't know. It, the timing, the timing was good. But how it came about is so I kind of I, honestly, i I was tired of it. The type of business that I was in is just very, very stressful. It's the wedding industry. There's very few industries where you can't make a mistake and fix it later. Like even a surgeon can call you the day before a surgery and be like, hey, we're having to reschedule for three weeks from now. Or if they mess up in surgery, (laughs) they can call you back in and like, you know, do a revision. But when it's somebody's wedding, there is no like, oh, sorry, our shipment didn't come in. So we're going to deliver it next week. Like that doesn't exist. Or sorry, our driver got sick and we can't make our delivery. Like that's just not an option. So it's very, it's very, very high stress. And so it was something that I was just kind of tired of, of dealing with on a daily basis. Um, Even though I wasn't involved, it was always on my mind. And so um, I had a customer who was exploring options and asked if I'd be open to selling and we came to an agreement and here we are
0: That's really awesome. Yeah, I I know I kind of know the uh the the stress of that industry. I've done data recovery on photographers that have lost wedding photos and I always wondered like that would be the most that would be the most horrible experience to like go back to the client and tell them that like none of your your memorable one day, once a once in a lifetime day, is not not even recoverable. And like, yeah. how do you how do you even remediate that?
1: Yeah, and you you can't. And I mean, there's no amount of money that really fixes the problem. And you know, with tablecloths, I mean, tablecloths seem like a insignificant part of a wedding, but without tablecloths, the caterer can't set the tables, the florist can't set the flowers, the cake decorator can't set the cake. And so kind of everything is waiting on you. And if your driver calls in sick, that means you're making the delivery today. And it didn't matter how many employees I had and how many backups I had. <laughs> I still became delivery driver April more often than I would like to admit.
0: Yep. The uh, the joys of business ownership, right? Wearing yes. all the hats. Yes. Well, congratulations on the sale. That's awesome. That's Thank great. you. So you are, anything else that you are going to work towards or is it just straight up trading now?
1: Um. Well, so I'm 41 years old and I have two kids, uh, three and nine-year-old boys. And so, you know, they kind of keep me busy. Um, but what it, what I'm probably going to do is wait and see what happens when the market shakes itself out over the next year or so. I think, I think by the end of next year or so, we should have a better idea of what's going to happen. Um, and then probably get into some sort of real estate, not like a real estate agent, but you know, just rental property investing or something like that.
0: What makes you want to go that route?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't really have a good answer for it. It's just an, you know,
0: just it's kind of, that, is it like diversification, something new?
1: Diversification, something that'll grow even, you know, something that can like outlast, you know, stock market knowledge or something like that. Um, Something to be able to pass down rather than just like whatever.
0: Planning planning trees for the future.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So what are you trading now? You said zero DTE, but among other strategies.
1: Really just zero DTE. Um, I'm using like some automated stuff to do some, I guess we call them tranche trades where you enter several times a day. And then in the mornings I do some discretionary trades based on nothing really specific just kind of like general market feel and how I feel when I look at the chart.
0: I think one of the last times that we talked you were exploring futures.
1: Um I don't really like futures. I I prefer options.
0: What like what what part do you prefer options over futures?
1: Well, I guess the ability to be a little bit wrong, like you can sell like a 10 Delta credit spread and the market can go 50 points against you and you can still win. Like you can even possibly not even be stopped out. Whereas you, if, you, if it goes one point against you in futures, you are technically losing. So I, I guess it's just the opportunity to be a little bit more wrong.
0: Okay, and you never explored uh, options on futures?
1: I did, but the fees are, are so high on them that it's it's kind of not worth it. And plus, I kind of need a break <laughs> from, you know, if, if if I can trade SPX options at the same time that I'm trading futures options, then I don't really see the need for futures options.
0: Right. Yeah. That that. What is it? 24 and 5? Like, yeah, I'm good. I, I traded crypto before I got to options and like, I appreciate my days off now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had tried it a little bit. Um, I just found that I wasn't sleeping or, you know, I'd be up in the middle of the night, like watching, seeing if I'm going to catch like a drop or something. And it's just not worth it. I I need to be when that bell rings at three o'clock central time. I like that to be like the end of the day.
0: So what? Um. I guess, so the, this, the show is for retail traders. So like, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's kind of interested in diving into and becoming, or starting the journey to become a trader?
1: Oh man. Um, I would say learn as much as you can, but be careful of the source because there's a lot of scammers out there. And, you know, it seems like every time we turn around, there's something, you know, there's, incorrect information like for example one of the things that when i was first learning options something i one of the videos that i had watched was like it doesn't matter so uh, somebody was selling like i don't remember put spreads on tesla and he said it doesn't matter if it goes against you cuz you can always just roll it out and you can keep rolling it out and so i didn't know that that wasn't true and i did get burned a little bit because i you know learning in real life that you can't roll a spread is <laughs> is kind of kind of painful because a lot of there's a lot of information out there saying that you can. So, you know, just kind of make sure that your sources are good and start slow.
0: Just uh, speaking of like the disinformation or misinformation, what are your thoughts on like um, zero DT kind of having its day in the spotlight and the weaponized gamma that you hear about and how uh, retail is going to break the market?
1: Um, I don't believe any of it. I mean... If retail was going to break the market, why would they have just added Tuesday and Thursdays to SPX and then followed suit with SPY? And I don't know. I don't. They probably said the same thing when like, computerized trading came along and people didn't have to call it in anymore.
0: (laughs) You're right. I actually saw an interesting Twitter thread and it was, this is totally unrelated, but it was the history of the kids today are spoiled. And it was like news, newspaper articles that went clear back to like 1899 or something. And each one was talking about how like today's kids are spoiled. But like it's, uh, I say that though because you're probably right. Like whenever um, I can remember watching like Super Bowl when I was a kid and like the, uh, I think it was E-Trade. E-Trade had the, all, the major marketing and all the big commercials during the Super Bowl about be, become a day trader and all this. And you're probably right. I would imagine that they were kind of like that. The banks were like, uh, or the, the markets were like that. Get off my lawn moment. Right. And I feel like that's kind of where zero DTE is too, because I, I think it's, um, there's, there's an issue when it comes to scale on, on these short dated contracts. So institutional can't really play. I, I think like they want to, and it kind of leaves retail in this weird space where we get blamed, you know, it's kind of like, even like during GameStop it was retail is going to break the market. Right. So what else are, are you, do you have anything that you're like researching or um, working on?
1: Uh, not really. There's, you know, I, I'm always looking at different, I, I hate to say indicators because most indicators are lagging, but I'm always looking at different things and trying to find the best, you know, everyone's trying to find the golden ticket, um, but trying to find what works the best and what works best for me. And honestly, and it's kind of funny because you know some somebody that i trade with often he said that you know every indicator he does he always comes back to like volume profile and vwap and <laughs> even though i never was volume profile and vwap that's almost what most of my trades are based off of so but yeah it's just back testing i i'm an endless back tester and i actually walk through the trades and you know look at them and see it's very different. I know right now we're kind of spoiled. You know, kids are spoiled right now um, with all of these automated backtesters that we have, like uh, Option Omega and the Trade Automated Trade Automation Toolbox one. Um, because you know, just a, a year ago, you had to actually like type in each trade at each time and like step it through every five minutes to see if it was going to stop out. Um, where now you can just like click a button and you know, in 30 seconds you can test five or eight years worth of data. So, but yeah, I've actually, I've done so much back testing, just kind of seeing what works and what I can feel comfortable with. And I think every time I do a series of back tests, it makes me a better trader, even if I'm not going to use whatever I'm studying, just because it kind of makes me feel what these drawdowns feel like, you know, you can see it on paper and, but actually living it in real life is very different. Even just watching it happen on a back test is very different. Like. For example, on the trade automation one, uh, the back test, sometimes you'll you'll run a back test and it'll say 47 days to recover. And you're like, okay, no, that's fine. And but then when you actually realize what that means, it's like, oh, I'm gonna be in a drawdown for 47 days. It's basically like 47 days of losing in a row before I get back up to that. And so basically all of the back testing and the research, it all just kind of makes you a better trader and gets you more comfortable and makes you really appreciate the stop loss because when you do a back test and you're like oh i don't need a stop loss i don't need a stop loss and then you go from like a 50 cent credit to a $20 debit or something on a on a back test you're like oh yeah okay <laughs> i need a stop loss
0: it is crazy how far we've come too uh, cuz I, I i think we talked about this on Tammy's episode how uh just like i think i got into this like 19 so in the last three years we came from like you said manually and tediously inputting every individual trade into option at explorer to be able to get a at least a good start even through option omega in like a minute or less right yeah so what indicator you said that you're doing um you're using like volume profile on the vwap um what other indicators have you uh explored
1: oh my goodness. I feel like everything. I love TradingView because there's so many user-generated ones, and it's so much more user-friendly. And so I, you know, just go through there and browse different forums and see like what people are talking about or what things people have come up with, and just kind of go through. I've literally gone through. I I had a stack probably 500 pages worth of backtests, and I do one whole year per page, um, just of, and that's all manual backtesting. So there's nothing nothing interesting i will say my favorite new discovery is the anchored VWAP. it's not a new discovery but it's new to me to be using it regularly
0: is that the one from shadow trader
1: Uh, i don't think so i think it's a pretty normal concept just
0: and then i don't know I, i saw one floating around a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago and i thought it might be from him but um yeah. So all roads lead back to volume, you say?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Like the anchored VWAP, for example, like you can, if there's a really big spike or something if you've ever seen a day where, where VWAP is long gone and it's like, we're not going to see us like a bounce or a rejection on VWAP, you know, you can start an anchored VWAP at the low or the high or a big move candle. And it's pretty amazing what it does.
0: And for people that wouldn't know, what, do, what does the VWAP track?
1: Um, it's volume weighted average price. I know what it's defined as. I don't know. Um, I guess it's basically that, um,
0: so does it kind of act as like a point of control? Cause I yeah. don't look at it. I, I have got everything down to a mechanical level where like I I could trade with just like an options chain and a clock.
1: Yeah. Um, it's. Point of control is where you've spent the most time. I don't, I I don't totally know if I understand how VWAP is calculated or how they come up with it. Um, but basically I guess if you average like how much, how much volume was at each price averaged since it started is probably where it's at. Um, it's my best guess.
0: So your zero DTE strategy now, is it, you said you're one of, uh, you're using Kyle's trade automation toolbox. Yes. Prior to using that, what was your strategy then? Was it time-based or just delta?
1: Just discretionary, kind of in the morning, You know, figure out which way you think the market's going to go and sell the opposite way.
0: So you were legging into condors or were you Um, just straight directional?
1: Just directional. I haven't regularly done condors aside from with the trade automation since, I don't know, it's been a while. But yeah, just one-sided, try to And I I never hold expiration just because the moves lately are so crazy. So I usually just kind of go for like a 50 cent credit or so.
0: What what made you steer like what made you change your mind from condors to being directional?
1: Um I don't really know. I never actually did condors for very long. I back tested a lot of them. Um, but I never did them once. I I did them for maybe like a couple months, maybe, but In my experience, it felt like more of them were getting blown out than not. And so directional seemed to be the way to go. And so just kind of like learning how to figure out what the best direction would be for the morning has kind of been my focus.
0: And you, I'm assuming you use a lot of, uh, you kind of have to use a lot of TA then. So you're using the volume profile to what? uh, Like identify support and resistance?
1: Yeah, a little bit of volume profile, um, a little bit of trend line reading um there's a few random indicators but nothing nothing really useful you know like there's the adspd and the VOLSPD and all that um but really it's just kind of deciding if we're you know if we're dropping are we about to shoot up or are we just going to keep going and hopefully being right more often than not is and the what,
0: what time frame do you do you chart on
1: uh three minutes
0: so how many how many trades do you think you go into per day? Like are you in and out of trades all morning before the automation kicks in or is it kind of like one or two trades and then you're done?
1: One or two right now just because I've been kind of busy um doing a lot of things that had been neglected as a very busy business owner for a long time. Um you know, like cleaning out things in my closets and that you know, just random little house projects that hadn't been done in a very long time. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that kind of after one or two trades in the morning. Um, but ideally next year, I'd like to start doing a little bit more disc- discretionary kind of back and forth in the morning.
0: How complex do you get?
1: Not really. So, just So like spread. if you
0: like what, like what, when I ask that, I mean, like, do you sell, you sell a spread, say you sell a put spread and it gets tested. Do you, would you like the call spread and turn into a fly would you just accept your stop or do you do you build complex positions to uh defend your trades
1: no i really don't def- I, I don't really do anything like that I, for me it's better just to kind of have one thing going at a time so if i decide that it's going against me or if i get stopped out then i just kind of take it and move on and i don't automatically switch to the other side sometimes i do yesterday i did I like yesterday I, I was down 15 cents at the time. And I heard a news article that said, Putin says the chance of nuclear war is rising. And I was like, okay. And I was in a put spread. And I was like, nope, cancel the put, took my loss, sold call spread, and took profit on the drop. So, you know, every once in a while it's something like that. But for the most part, it's just kind of let it do what it's going to do.
0: Do you still subscribe to Financial Juice? Is that who is tell- telling you the news? Kay
1: yes yeah and I, I don't i don't have the paid subscription so i guess according to them i got the news 10 se- 10 seconds later than everybody else but <laughs> that's fine
0: that's fast enough though right
1: <laughs> Yeah, fast enough.
0: all right so if anybody has questions you can always raise your hand down in the at the bottom of the window and then uh, get some people up on stage and talk to april so um while people think of questions what um I guess, what's your, on your plate for research? Cause I know you're an avid researcher and back tester. So do you have anything on your plate that you're looking forward to digging into?
1: Um, not at the moment. I'm kind of, I've kind of exhausted everything that I can think of to to research. And now it's, I don't know, kind of trend lines are interesting to study. Um, I was looking at the harmonic patterns. I don't know how I feel about those. So. And I feel like you can kind of go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes and I don't know how much of it is worth my time versus just kind of taking what I've already learned and just kind of going with that.
0: Yeah, because when does it become like analysis paralysis? Like I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I feel like my work as far as like zero DTE research and optimizing strangles is I'm just kind of overcomplicating now. And I'm gonna start. I want to start looking into some other strategies to complement the strangle strategy I run every day. So I guess, yeah. When does it become too much? So you know, like too too many too many moving parts, and you're just over complex.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so you know, like like some of those people, you see pictures of their of their charts, and it's like, or they they'll take a picture of their screen, and they literally have like you know. Forty charts up, and it's all kind of the same thing. And so I, I, don't want to be that, that way because, you know, once you have too many things to look at, you can kind of convince yourself of anything.
0: Exactly. Yep. I feel the same way. All right, we got someone up here. Um, you're unmuted. Go ahead. Nk ready. All right. So, um, give him a second to figure out his mic situation. Uh, so how has being, since entrepreneurship overlaps trading, so how has being a business owner made you a better trader?
1: Um, one thing that, so just to give you a quick overview of the concept of owning a rental company, you buy something for $30, and this is not the exact numbers, of course, buy something for $30 rent it for 10, wash it for two, rent it for 10, wash it for two, rent it for 10, wash it for two. And then after that you start making money on it. Um, so it kind of, number one, it taught me to be consistent because every day, you know, your business is open every day, no matter whether you had a really good day or you had to do a bunch of refunds and returns. And so, you know, I, I kind of viewed like buying a tablecloth as a stop loss. So, you know, I could either make ten dollars or I can lose thirty dollars. And it it kind of just got me comfortable with the idea of taking having a losing day and knowing that those losing days are what allow me to have the winning days or the winning trades
0: So, would you say you're uh, that is that's a bad question. Um. Cause like, okay, so I can't really draw the parallel here, but, uh, (laughs) what I was trying to get to was, you know, there's a, an analogy that options selling is, um, like insurance selling insurance. So like, and do you track any kind of like premium capture and like, what is the premium capture rate of like an insurance company? And I guess I was trying to draw a parallel to your Linens business.
1: You mean like basically like a profit margin?
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so, I, yeah. I guess what, like uh, all the money you put in, how much did you retain of it like coming out?
1: It's, I, that's the thing I probably can't answer just from from non-disclosure reasons. Um, and every type of business, you know, every business is gonna have a different profit margin based on various things that are important to them. Um, my profit margin when i was running the business was probably not as high as it could have been because i kind of overstaffed so i made sure i didn't have to do anything because i wanted to be trading um so you know i might have had an extra driver on staff a couple extra laundry crew like a few more office people than i might have needed like we had four office people one we probably could have just had two um i don't really have a good answer for that like but i mean it, it was it was good money and it got me to where i am now but i don't I don't know if I can legally answer the rest of that.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, no. I And that was the way I asked. That was totally crazy. And I like chewed up the entire English language <laughs> <laughs> trying to get there. But the reason I'm asking is because like um one of the other one of the people in the audience and I, we often discuss different business ventures and stuff like that. And I can't justify putting any effort or anything into another business that is like that, that performs as well as zero DTE. And like, I have this A- data center that trains AI models. And, stuff. and that, that was supposed to be the one thing that I felt could outpace the trading, but like, I can't imagine starting another business right now with the way things are going in the trading world.
1: Yeah. And I kind of had the same question because, you know, kind of an op- entrepreneur at heart, even though I was, Ready to be done with the business that I was in, um, and so the first thing when it's like, okay, hey, you're selling your business. What are you gonna do? And I kind of looked through some things and had, you know, thought through different options and maybe different job ideas. And I was like, there's not really anything that I want to do because I enjoy trading so much. I enjoy kind of having my own schedule, but it's also probably way more profitable than just about anything else I could I could do with my time
0: especially yeah exactly the return on time too and like you said you said your kids are what three and nine yes yeah I'm an 11 and six year old and I yeah I I can't I can't think of a different uh, career I would want to be on so um all right ready can I hear you or can you hear me
2: All right, I'm going to shoot him a DM.
1: It's like he dropped off.
0: Yeah, he's ha- he, he messaged me. I think he's having some difficulties. So if anybody else wants to jump on stage and ask April a question,
2: the floor is open. Is there anything else
0: that you want to touch on before we wrap things up?
1: One thing I do want to say is so I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts and stuff. And everything that that I have read, everything that I've listened to emphasizes stop loss, stop loss, stop loss. And so I'm just gonna add that. You know, it seems like every very successful trader that is out there uses a stop loss, except for I guess Carolyn Ellison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um how, how do you set your stops? You're like you're are you are you still at interactive or Thinkorswim too? Or are you strictly interactive brokers now?
1: Thinkorswim for my manual trading. Yes.
0: So how do you manage your stops?
1: Um right now, because I can watch them. I, you know, when I was running around like crazy with the business, I would always have a stop on. Um right now I always I don't put them on manually. I mean automatically. I always have my phone in my hand ready to ready to hit exit. So, you know, it's not, it's generally like a one X sometimes, depending on how far out I was able to get my specified premium. Like sometimes I'm only like 45 points out, which is a little nerve wracking. And sometimes it's 150 points out for the same premium. So depending on how close I have to be, it's kind of how much wiggle room I'm willing to give it. And that's kind of what I do. If I, if I ever had to step away where I couldn't watch it, then I would set probably a two X stops at like a 3x total
0: 2x how do you you handle a fast moving market because this is a hot discussion right now especially with like tammy and ben and i talking to the cboe and different things that are coming up with weaponized gamma and slippage and different things like that Uh, i would have to argue even with bad slippage manual closing would be slower than a machine or am i wrong
1: if I felt like I needed to get out quickly, I would just do a market order. You know, if, if I saw it coming, um I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I know it happens. Um,
0: yeah, I was I just curious if you had a plan for like <laughs> whenever the market runs away, and you know you have a you your mental stop might be two x, but you know how fast that can turn into five x,
1: yeah. I mean, at some point you just take it.
0: So you so, so if, if if you were in a situation where you were like negative five hundred percent, would you like bang the market order, or would you like hope for hope and pray it returns? Like, how would you manage that?
1: Um, I have not been and knock on something wood if I can find it in my office. Um, I have not been in that situation since I've gone without having like an automated stop loss in play or without without a stop loss in place um so i don't know what i would do and um, the worst i've ever really let it get is about 2x but you know i think if it got to 5x i would probably just take it and cringe and you know kind of yeah, accept should you. it happens
0: yep i gotcha yeah no that's i don't know how i would like to say like i know what i what i or i would like to think i know what i would do but in the heat of the moment yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, and yeah. A, a lot of that would depend on how far away I am again. You know, like if i'm a, if if it's approaching, like like there was one day a couple of weeks ago, um, it got to like twelve points from where I was, but there were some levels that I had been looking at that were kind of right there. And I was like, this field, I think it was like four thousand or something, and we were at like thirty nine, nine 3988 or something. And I was like, mm, I'm just going to watch this and see what it does. And all of a sudden it just started tanking. But I was at like 2X loss at that point. And I was like, okay, well, much more, I'm going to be ready to go. So just kind of watch it and see, and, you know, but if it got to like 5X or something, I'd probably just hit the market and run.
0: Yeah. I, I was just curious because, you know, I'm a victim of the, there's no way it'll hit this level <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely hit that level.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
0: All right, John, you got a question for April? Uh yeah. My question, uh thank you for for sharing your information, by the way, April.
2: I, I appreciate that. Um, my question really is, you know, is there like a
0: mentor or like um a book or um any kind of learning resources that you would recommend, especially, you know, like myself. I've I've just been learning um this strategy for the past three months. And so I'm still trying to you know, take in all the information. Is there something like that you would recommend?
1: I wish I had a better answer for you. I've kind of just absorbed what I can over the past few years. I didn't really look to a, a specific source to learn zero DTE, SPX or options. Like I guess for options, um, there's some YouTube videos. I don't even remember what they are now. Um, it's been so long since I watched them. I think it was like Mike and his whiteboard or something, which I think is a tasty trade product um so i would probably credit tacy trade video uh, youtube videos uh for most of my options education um but as far as the trading mindset i think the best book that i've read recently is called the best loser wins or something like that uh it was really good just as far as the mindset of being able to take a loss and you know knowing that taking that loss is what helps you become a better winner
0: Absolutely is that book by uh, annie duke the poker player
1: i don't think so um let me see
0: so john there's mm-hmm. a podcast in the resources channel that is by annie duke she's a poker player and she talks about the importance of knowing when to walk away and it's been pretty popular whenever it was initially posted
1: oh well, i remember talking about that so cool. no this is from tom hogard hmm. <laughs>
2: All right, anything else, John? No, I'm good, thank you. All right, I'm gonna bring up the next person here. Hi, everyone. nice to meet you. Um, I was wondering, um, do you play like one day to expiration or two day to expiration or three?
1: Awesome. Um, I did do the one one DTE before we had the Tuesday and Thursday expirations in, in SPX. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. I would do one DTE. Um, but I always close out. Um, I if I have an if I have a short options position overnight, which I've had before, like a long time mm-hmm. ago when I started, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. I any little thing that yeah. wakes me up in the middle of the night, I'm up watching features as if there's something I could do about it, you know, because yeah. you can't even trade it. I mean in interactive brokers right. you can, but that's not who I use. So I've learned that if I have those positions on, I just can't sleep, so it's not worth it to me.
2: I see, I see. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what my feeling was too. Okay, thank you. Uh
0: All right, anybody else in the audience that wants to come up and ask anything? Um, so I guess then it, do you have anything else that you would like to add in? I know that I already asked you that once, but now that, uh, you had some questions here, anything else come to mind?
1: Not that I can think of.
0: All right. So if, if nobody else has any questions, then we can uh, wrap this up and I will have it published to everybody's favorite podcast catcher tonight or tomorrow. And, um, Yeah, so are you going to come back? Uh, You're coming back next week, right? No one knows about the special episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Uh, so next week we're going to do a little end-of-year wrap-up episode with a group of us. Um, We're going to have Tammy back, Ben back, Matt, who is the admin of the Facebook group, you, and then I'm trying to get – I I think Gregson's going to be out in the Alps skiing or something like that, right? Rough life, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And uh, I'm trying to get a special guest. I'm trying to get this – this dentist to join us.
1: Oh, uh, oh, that'll be fun. Yes.
0: He's a tough one to crack, though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, if you have anything else to add, and no one else has any other questions. Catch us back here on the 18th. We're going to do an end of year wrap up episode, even more laid back than what the usual episodes are. Um, just kind of do a wrap up, lessons learned, share of our uh, favorite resources, you know, stuff like that, and hopefully get a lot of uh, audience participation. Little. Cool down for the end of the year. I think it'll be fun. So, all right. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us, April. And I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.